0: Thank you for being sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. A uh, couple of quick announcements as you turn to Matthew chapter 14. Um, Brother Manny, if you could skip back to the announcements for me real quick. Tuesday night, we have Men of Valor, uh, Brother John will Lee, ministering. We'll be here at 7 if you're able to have some food and fellowship. If you can't get here right at 7, that's fine. We usually don't come in the sanctuary until about 7.45, 8 o'clock after we've had a good time of fellowship. So if you're able to come, please come to that. Thursday night we have our normally scheduled Bible study. And then Friday night is a youth hyphen event at Pietro's at 7.30 p.m. If you have any questions, please see um, Brother Ryan about that. And uh, thankful for all of our young people. And I know that God has great plans for all of them. And uh, it's not just in their future. But as you can see, if you're here very much... There's already several who are actively involved in being used in this church, and I'm thankful for that. Amen. Amen. That's all right. You can clap if you want. I'm going to try to switch mics. We'll see if this one doesn't ring too much, Brother Manny. Maybe if you have to, turn down the main slider. Test, test. Okay. Try not to get that ringing in all of your ears again. Matthew chapter uh, 14 verses 28 through 29, I'm a bit of a gimp today, I had a rather large individual while I was playing basketball, roll over my leg and it bent away, it's not supposed to bend, so um, forgive me if I'm a little gimpy today, but the Lord, as I said the other night, can touch the lame, and uh, I guess he would, he, it wasn't suffice for me to just be lame with my jokes, but want to be too lame in my walk today too so Matthew chapter 14 uh, verses 28 through 29 Peter answered him and said Lord if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water and he said come and when Peter was come down out of the ship he walked on the water to go to Jesus amen this week the Lord just put this thought on my heart that it's time for us to get out of the boat It's time to get out of the boat. Amen. So just tell your neighbor, get out of the boat. Amen. Not that you're kicking them out, but you're encouraging them to do the same thing you need to do. Amen. Get out of the boat. Amen. Let's just pray one more time. Ask the Lord to be with us during the time in the word. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your spirit that's here. We're so thankful for all that you've already done. Lord, you've already done many, many miracles in this place. And Lord, I just pray that as we examine your word today, that you will quicken our hearts and our minds to be more full of faith than we've ever been before. To be excited about our future in you, Jesus. To be willing to see what it is you have for each and every one of us. To get out of our comfort zone. To get beyond the familiar and the known. And to get out and do what you're doing. To walk in faith and not by sight. To step into the supernatural and into the miraculous, Lord. Not just, Lord, words that we're using to exaggerate or have Christian catchphrases. But, Lord, there are things beyond our ability. There are things that are only possible in the supernatural today. That are only possible as your spirit empowers us and enables us, Lord. Lord things we're not able to do without You. And so in the next few moments, Lord, I pray that You'll lift our faith, that You'll minister by Your Spirit to our hearts and our minds to see that there is so much more than we've ever imagined possible if we'll simply get beyond our comfort zone. We'll get beyond what's familiar and we'll get out and do what You're doing. We'll get out and be where You're at. We'll have enough faith. To walk on this on water and to walk upon the situations, Lord, that are in our lives. To step onto the stormy sea and to go where you have gone, Lord. Lord, we're believing you for great things today. We're trusting you for great things, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we're seated, let's just praise Him one more time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated today. Amen. I'm thankful for what God is doing here. Amen. He's doing what only He can do. Amen. Only He can do what is being done today. Jesus had just performed a great miracle, feeding 5,000 men besides women and children so anywhere between 15 to 20,000 individuals were fed as the lord took one lunch of five loaves and two fish and divided it and multiplied it till it fed everyone who was there and there was 12 baskets of fragments and leftovers to take home possibly one for each disciple for their hard work and for the, what they were about to face the people were excited by this miracle. They were so excited they wanted to make Jesus king. They wanted to make him an earthly king. And we know and understand that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But not in the same sense that they wanted. Not in the earthly kingdom that they desired. But he says, my kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is in heaven and is in eternity. So he has to quiet the crowd. He forces his disciples to get into a boat and he sends the multitudes away. If we pick up reading in Matthew chapter 14 verse 22 Matthew 14:22 and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples. He forced his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes We need to understand right away that Jesus told them to do what they're doing. They are obeying his command. They are in the will of God by getting in the boat. And this is important because a lot of times we think when we're in God's will, everything is going to be perfect. Everything is going to work out just right. Right. Verse 23, When He had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the even was come, He was there alone. And we know that Jesus was God in the flesh. We know that He was indeed the Son of God. God come in the form of man. But He prayed in order to surrender His flesh. He was fully God and He was fully man. And he had to surrender his humanity to the Spirit inside of him. Much like we, as Spirit-filled believers, cannot, once we receive the Spirit, cease to pray. Because we're still dealing with our flesh. Every day we must seek to surrender and submit our humanity to the deity that resides within us. And perhaps the Lord was suffering from the temptation of becoming an earthly king. In his humanity, I'm sure this sounded good. Who would not want to be an earthly king? Who would not want all the benefits that come along with ruling in this life? But he knew that was not his purpose or his destiny. Perhaps he was discouraged that the disciples once again misunderstood his purpose. Not seeing that eternity is more important than what's happening right now. And I'm sure God gets frustrated with me concerning those things an awful lot. But whatever the case, Jesus went away to pray. To get alone, away from the crowd. And it's great for us to pray at church. And days like today, there's a special strength we find nowhere else. But it cannot replace our alone time. The old song says, shut in with God in a secret place. There in the Spirit beholding His face. Gaining new power to run in this race. Oh, how I love to be shut in with God. We cannot lose our prayer closet. We cannot lose our alone time with Him. Verse 24 goes on to tell us, the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And again, here they are in the will of God, following His direction, His plan. And they find themselves in the middle of a ferocious storm. Disciples learn that day that just because God says to do it, doesn't mean it's always smooth sailing. In this case, literally. Sometimes things get harder before they get easier doing God's will sometimes it looks like everything in life is against us when we're heading the direction Jesus has told us to go sometimes it seems as though we'll perish before we get to the other side sometimes it seems like Jesus has flat out forgotten about us head in this direction and then he went and started doing his own thing where are you now Lord you dropped me off you sent me on my way and you have left me where are you where are you have you ever asked yourself that in the middle of a situation that's not easy Jesus Jesus hello did you forget about me because you told me to go this way and I'm going that way and this is not happening we're about to die over here verse 25 tells us in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went out unto them walking on the sea now we probably if we've been living for the Lord for a while have heard this story a bunch and Sometimes the temptation is to just shut it out because I've heard it. Another sermon about Jesus walking on the water. Woo! Tell me something new. But just try to imagine, you're out in the middle of an ocean. Well, in the, a, a lake, I believe, is more, they call it a sea, but not like the ocean, like the Pacific Ocean. Obviously, they're going to get to another side. They're just crossing over. But there's a storm that is... Raging to the point where they feel like they are going to die. And Jesus comes walking on the water. If that would not freak you out, you're not being honest. Oh no, I know Jesus can do everything. That wouldn't surprise me. You're oversaved. You're not being honest, as the song country song says. If you'll believe that, I have some oceanfront property for you in Arizona. So here comes Jesus. About nine hours after sunset, one source said Jesus comes walking on the water. They're rowing and they're toiling. And they're probably arguing with each other. Who was it that listened to Jesus anyways? Which one of you knuckleheads convinced us to get in the boat? So we start fighting when things get hard sometimes. Rather than encouraging each other, we start smacking each other around. Maybe not physically, but verbally. Who got us in this mess anyways? They probably thought they were beyond the reach of Jesus. They were wet. They were scared. And Jesus is back on the shore somewhere. The situation seemed hopeless. And today you might feel like you're beyond the reach of the Lord. You might feel like your boat has drifted a little too far away from the shore. And now you're out there by yourself. And Jesus is on the shore. So... You're probably not going to make it, is your thought. But Jesus can cover ground at any time, at any moment. He can get to where you are. You're not beyond his reach. You think Inspector Gadget has reach? I'm dating myself. Some of you are older probably don't know Inspector Gadget. Some of you are too young and have no clue what I'm talking about. But the Lord can reach us. The Bible says His arm is not short. Well, this message applies to somebody else. I'm glad that you're encouraging them again. But you don't know how far my boat has drifted beyond the shore. And Jesus is back on the shore. His arms are only so long. He's probably about 5'8 or 5'9 maybe. How far can he reach? The water they presumed would be their grave became a sidewalk for Jesus. A a crossing, a dangerous crossing, but a crossing. When the Lord rose from the dead, he put all things under his feet. He has authority over whatever we are facing today. We do not have to succumb to the storm. The storm cannot take our life if we call on Jesus. Cannot. If we resist Him, if we ignore Him, if we row the other way, we're on our own and we may die. But if we call out to Jesus, He can save us. More than can, he will save us. In verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. What else could it be? It's not a person. Walking on the water, walking on the waves in the middle of this storm, that cannot be a person. all you people too full of faith to understand that, again, good for you. But I would probably be a little bit afraid. And guessing it's either some kind of pizza I ate, or it's a spirit, because certainly it's not a person. People don't walk on water. If you don't believe me, try it in a safe environment like the bathtub. Okay, start out with about a foot of water. Don't go do it in deep water. But straightway, verse 27, Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer, Jesus. Really? We're out here rowing. We've been out here for hours. We're rowing and we're tired and we're about ready to die and you tell me to be of good cheer, Jesus. You are hilarious sometimes. I love your sense of humor, Lord. And again, if, you're, if it's too far removed from you to understand the illustration, sometimes in the middle of our situation, the Lord tells us to be of good cheer and we will not be of good cheer. We are in a bad mood and we are going to stay in a bad mood. We are mad and we're going to hold on to it like it's life or death. You are not going to convince me to smile. I will bite the inside of my cheek if I have to. You will not make me smile right now because I am mad at you. Be of good cheer. Not going to happen. I'm going to be mad. I'll prove how mad I am. And sometimes we're walking through a storm and God's telling us, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And instead of just worshiping Him and celebrating and rejoicing, we continue to... How can I put it nicely? My lip is curling. Our pity party continues. Because it's a choice Fear or faith It's your choice In your choice alone It's my choice In my choice alone Nobody can make me happy And nobody can take my faith I have to choose To trust In an article in the Christian Post Pastor Rick McDaniel Who I don't know who he is Besides his article in the Christian Post But I'll give you his name says in the gospels 125 times jesus says something is an imperative statement like love others that's a command right that's imperative that's not optional 125 times statements like this are on a number of different topics or themes the number one theme 21 times is a variation of don't be afraid Fear not. Have courage. 21 times the Lord encourages us in one way or another to fear not. And the closest to that in the imperatives is only eight times love your neighbor. So as a church, we know about loving our neighbor. It's drilled into us. It's it's something we're always thinking about. But you know that the Lord said almost three times as often, don't be afraid. What makes Christianity unique is that we are the faith that teaches love. And yet, even though love is the central theme of Christianity, the number one statement that Jesus makes more than any other statement is don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Jesus knows fear holds too many people back from God's best in our lives. Fear keeps us from loving deeply, keeps us from giving freely, keeps us from dreaming wildly. It keeps us from loving deeply because when you're afraid, you don't want to risk, and only in risk can you experience true, deep, satisfying relationships. Love is risky. Giving your heart in love to somebody is a risk, it is every time. Fear keeps us from giving freely because it creates a scarcity mentality. You think there's only so much and you can't part with what you have, so you're never able to give freely. And without giving freely, we cannot be blessed. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about our time and our energy and our talents. It's only when we give that we're in the place to receive. Fear keeps us from dreaming wildly because you can't have huge, crazy dreams about what you could do if you're filled with fear. Because every time a dream tries to struggle to the surface, you can beat it down like whack-a-mole with fear. I'm just saying all kinds of crazy analogies today. Whack-a-mole, have you ever seen it at the arcade? The heads pop up, you whack it. Another one pops up, you whack it. And that's like we're trying to have dreams. We're trying to have hope. We're trying to have peace. We're trying to have joy. And every time something pops up in our head that's good, we whack them all. Get back down there. You can't get up here. I'm afraid. I'm a champion of whack-a-mole. That's how we think sometimes. And we wonder why we're having a hard time. The idea of taking risks when we're full of fear, something we hate to even think about, so we play it safe and miss out miss out on what God wants us to have. So it's time for us to have more faith than fear. Can we agree today to have more faith than fear? To trust God more than any other source. If it's in His Word, to believe it more than anything else. Just settle it in your mind. God's Word is true. And if you want to take the time to really study it, you'll find that science supports the Word of God. It does not contradict it. But if you want to just take my word for it, save yourself a lot of hours of looking into it like I did, just trust it. Just say, if the Word of God says it, I believe it, that's it. You'll save yourself a lot of fear. Peter answered him, verse 28, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, this is important. I will say that we need to ask if God is going to bless it. Okay? Don't go stand on the top of this church and say, I'm going to step out in faith. And step off the church. And be like, Pastor, you told me if I have faith, Both my legs wouldn't be broken right now. Ask the Lord if He's in it. Peter said, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And if Jesus said, no, just hang out in the boat for a minute, I'll be right there, Peter. Peter probably would have stayed put. But Peter had a habit of acting first and thinking later, which is sometimes good with faith. He did this with his mouth too. Spoke, then thought. And some of us have that disease. Brian Regan says it's like watching a flock of birds leave the mouth and wishing you could catch all of them and put them back in. But you can't. The words have escaped and they're out there to do whatever they're going to do. The point is that sometimes when we think about it too much, it causes us not to act. The Lord speaks, tells us to do something, And if we'll do it right away, we'll probably be successful, but we begin to think about it. Hmm. I wonder if that will really work. If I witness to that person over there, they look a little bit far from God. They don't look like they're going to have anything to do with what I say. They're probably going to think I'm weird and maybe even say something mean. Eh. That wasn't Jesus. And we justify it, we move on. Our logic is getting in the way. We can't see their heart, but God can. When God says to do something, we need to act immediately. The longer we wait, the more we're going to come up with other ideas. And Peter's like, is it you, Jesus? Okay, out of the boat walking on the water he's doing great everything's cool because he's not thinking about it if peter would have stopped and asked the other disciples in the boat they probably would have said don't do it peter don't please you're going to embarrass yourself you're going to embarrass us and if your mom was here she'd be shaking her head what is wrong with you peter i raised you different than this If Peter would have asked a marine biologist, who would have said, no, Peter, you're not genetically disposed to walk on top of the water. These other animals, they live in the ocean, not on the ocean. I don't know if you notice that, Peter. You see a bunch of other animals around here? They're in the water. They live there. You don't have gills. You don't have webbed feet. Stay in the boat. What's your problem? If you ask a geophysicist, the geophysicist would say, the laws of gravity And your lack of buoyancy on water are problematic to your success in this endeavor. Please, Peter, stay in the boat. If it would have been available, and Peter could have done what we do a lot of times, I don't know what that is. Google it. I'm going to Google it, because Google is never wrong especially Wikipedia. Never wrong. If Peter would have Googled it, can man walk on water? I'm guessing the top response would be questions stupid people ask. You're a moron, Peter. Have you ever seen a man walk on water? Okay, what's my point? If you're asking other people if you should do what God is telling you to do, most often, they're not going to think it's a good idea. Now, if it's really safe, like, oh, be kind to people. Yeah, they're going to agree. That's a good idea. But there's things God asks us to do that defy logic. When we enter into the miraculous and we start getting those realms where only Jesus can make it possible, that's when people who are logical begin to question if it's a good idea. Because with man, things are impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. So Peter, thankfully, acted first in faith. But verse 29, he began to think about it. He began to think about it. We're not going to go much longer, just so you know. Peter got out of what was man-made. The boat. Okay, we're comfortable in what's man-made. We're comfortable in what's tangible, what we can feel. The user's manual says it's going to work. We're good. Okay, I read this in the little booklet. It says it's going to work. I'm okay. We trust more in the manufacturing of man than in the God who can do the impossible. How many people will believe a textbook before they will believe God? How many people will believe the news before they believe God? How many people will believe somebody else's post on social media before they believe God? An awful lot. Too many. We have to be willing to get beyond what's man-made if we're going to be out where God can use us. Again, even the infilling of the Spirit, it's not man-made. I cannot give the Holy Spirit to anyone. I can pray with them. I can teach them what the Bible says. I can be excited for them. I can do whatever I can to help them, but only God can pour it out. It's much easier if it's man made. It's much easier if I just tell somebody, repeat after me, and you're saved. I can lead millions to the Lord that way. Because I can go around and convince people to repeat after me a lot easier than I can lead them to being filled with the Spirit. Because being filled with the Spirit takes a full surrender, and it's supernatural, it's not man made. And when they've done studies on the brain, the language, this is an independent study, I believe it was the University of Pennsylvania, putting the electric nodes on people's brains and measuring brain activity while they're praying in the spirit, the language part of the brain shuts off. Because it's not man-made. When they're praising God and they're singing songs... The language is engaged. The the brain is operating on normal communication. But as soon as they begin to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gives the utterance, the brain shuts off. Not completely. Just the language part. And I don't know if it was so much Peter's desire to be part of the miraculous. And just be able to walk on water and have a story for his grandchildren. I don't think it's probably that. I think it was just that Peter was so desiring to be doing what Jesus was doing. He was just thinking, you know what, if Jesus is doing it, I should do it. If it's Jesus doing it, I want to be a part of it. So, in his eagerness and his desire to do what Jesus is doing, he jumps out of the boat, he walks on the water, but then he begins to notice verse 30 the wind is boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Peter began to think about what he was doing. Hey, I'm walking on water. This is not possible. Not only that, but look at this storm. But Peter had enough sense to keep his trust in the Lord. Even as he began to sink, he didn't rely on his human effort to to just try to swim. I got this, Jesus. Treading water. I got it, Lord. Don't help me. I got it. I'm just sinking just a little bit. I'm okay. Don't I'm I'm good, Lord. I'm I'm all right, Lord. I'm okay. I'm okay. Just let me be. That's us. Oh, I got this, Lord. I'm gonna get back to the boat and then you can help me out. Or somebody asks ask us how we're doing while we're sitting there treading water. Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm doing good. I'm I'm awesome. I'm just woo! No, you're not. You're sinking. You're about to drown. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just treading a little water. I'm I'm good at this. But Peter cried out to Jesus. And Jesus reached down immediately. And lifted him up. Verse 31 tells us. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. And caught him. And said unto him. O thou of little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt. And though Peter received a little bit of a rebuke. For not having enough faith to walk all the way to Jesus. Guess who had a lot less faith. Eleven others sitting in the boat. Eleven others who would never get to say. Hey you know what I did one day walked on water (laughs) no big deal just walked on the water just me you know no big deal go back to doing what you're doing but if you ever think about it I walked on water what have you done lately oh you were sitting in the boat that's right you didn't do anything you were just scared I don't know if Peter was that big of a smart aleck but could have been And when they were coming the ship, Jesus and Peter come back. And it's just my, my belief. I don't know if all the other accounts, any of them would uh, say that this was the case, but I think after Jesus picked up Peter from sinking, that they walked back together. So Peter had this pattern. Got out of the boat, walked on water, Sank and walked on water. Sometimes we begin to sink and we're like, the enemy comes in and tries to tell us, oh, you're done. You lost your chance. God's not going to use you anymore. Look what you did. But you need to remind him, God's not done with me yet. And we're going to walk back to the boat together. We're going to go back together. In verse 33, last verse, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. You really are God in the flesh. You just walked on water. Not only that, you made the storm stop. Man, you are awesome. And they worshipped Him. It takes a lot more faith to believe God during the storm. Only one out of 12 trusted him while the storm was still raging. The other 11 were in there shaken because of fear and not sure what they wanted to believe at the moment. As soon as the storm stopped, they were more than willing to worship because now things were comfortable and quiet again. But there's only some things that come through the storm. And again, if we think, oh no, I've been through this. I'm not really sure I'm even going to survive it. We need to understand that not only will we survive, but we'll be stronger on the other side. When we walk through things with Jesus, our faith gets greater. Our love for him is stronger and our trust in him is deeper than it's ever been. When we cling to Jesus, the storm's not meant to destroy us. It's meant to Build our faith. So the song says, We will live, we will not die. The resurrection power of Christ alive in me, and I am free in Jesus' name. We need to declare that every day. I will live and not die. I will live and not die. I will declare the works of Jesus Christ by his power, and in his name I will overcome. We can stand today.